What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, it's Monday night. How was your weekend? We got uh, Ravens uh, Saints going on as we record. How you feeling? Good. Weekend was good. You know, we had daylight savings uh, end, I believe, is, is what it is. And, uh, you know, my kids were all up early <laughs> Sunday morning. And we decided to go to First Landing State Park down in Virginia Beach. Uh, it felt like one of the longest days ever. You know, you get an extra hour. Kids are up early. And, uh, yeah, I ended up not watching a ton of the 1 o'clock games, but watched a little bit of the couple. There were only two 4 o'clock games and then watched a bit of the Sunday night game. So, yeah, I missed some of the 1 o'clock games, but caught up, you know, late night on some of the, the highlights and such. So, well, most of the games the were one o'clock games this week. I know <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a, a skewed distribution. I believe eight one o'clock games and only two four o'clock games for us East Coasters, anyway. Um, so, so you know, I actually liked that because it, I could watch all eight of the games at one and then uh, take a little bit of a break and keep an eye on one or two games in the afternoon, but not have to be glued to my TV quite yeah. the same way. I could bring my phone around or something, you know, <laughs> maybe get a little bit of fresh air, but, um, I was glad for that daylight savings time. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of don't love it now that it gets dark early. I'd rather have my <laughs> light at the end of the day personally, but, um, I definitely appreciate getting that extra hour on uh, Sunday because, uh, I was up in uh, New Jersey, went to the Michigan Rutgers game oh, nice. on Saturday night uh, and stayed over at my buddy's place up in, in central New Jersey. And I needed to get back down to D.C. Uh, to get all my uh, rankings set up on Sunday. So I, <laughs> I left bright and early on uh, Sunday morning to get back home by about 11 in the morning. And I would not have been able to do that uh, comfortably without that extra hour. So uh, thank you, Daylight Savings Time. I actually had uh, Michigan in a big money, like college football money line parlay. So I, that was on the Big Ten network. I flipped it over after halftime because, as you know, it was a little bit close game at halftime. I think Rutgers was even. We up. were losing at halftime, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched a. Uh, I watched a little bit of the third quarter, and uh, yeah, Michigan came out to play in the second half and didn't look back. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice win. Yeah, it was. Um, my my buddy called it. He's actually not as big a fan as I am, but he called it. He's like in the second half. Our defense is just going to take over and and uh, oh, yeah. dominate the game, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I think we scored twenty one points in the first like seven minutes of the it second was quick. half. So yeah, <laughs> it it, uh, it uh, sanity was restored. Uh, and I had I had some nice seats, second row uh, behind the end zone, so got to see a couple touchdowns right in front of me, which was fun. Uh, very similar seats to where I used to have season tickets in the big house back in my college days. So uh, enjoyed that, uh, but was was glad to be home in time for the nfl games as well so it was a football football packed weekend for me like <laughs> usual <laughs> yeah well but, i've got a lot riding on this game i was telling you before we got started got a couple of matchups riding on some players in here andy dalton will lutz um you know i'm facing isaiah likely who, are, who got the first touchdown of the game so i don't know by the time we're done recording i might be able to watch a little bit of the end here uh closely and uh, see how my matchup's doing i don't like having monday night i don't definitely don't like having multiple matchups hanging on Monday night, but here we are. And it's on, it's, it's not like Lamar, you know, it's Will Lutz. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't mind having matchups come down to Monday night. It could be some nice drama, but I like it when, uh, I have the guy, the star player and I yeah. feel confident they're going to get the job done. I don't like it so much when I'm all done and my, only my opponent has players left. That always, uh, makes it yeah. 
pretty uh, tense. A sitting duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but right. um, yeah, so we'll do our usual thing here. We're going to recap each and every uh, week nine game from a fantasy football perspective. And then we will give you our, our top picks on the waiver wire uh, this week. Um, so let's jump right into it and we'll start as we always do with the Thursday night game. Uh, it was the Eagles 29 and the Texans 17. Uh, this game was closer than most people would have expected. The Texans gave it some fight um, despite not having either of their uh, top two wide receivers in this game. Um, but I don't know in terms of takeaways from this game, I, I didn't see a whole lot that uh, really surprised me on either side. It was I, the, the game flow was the kind of most surprising thing for me. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are a great first-half team. I think they might be the best first-half team, and for it to be tied at halftime against the Texans was, you know, I guess it was just a little bit of a letdown spot. That was surprising. I thought the Eagles would, you know, be up at least a touchdown at half and not look back, but it, like you said, it was it was close. I think the the takeaway, I mean, it's not surprising, but week after week, Damian Pierce is just a workhorse, and even, you know, whether it's a close game, uh, you know, whether it's early, late, he's getting tons of touches, you know, 27 carries. I mean, it helped that they were in the game, like, tied at halftime but it really doesn't matter he's going to get his touches so Damian Pierce has just been pretty much like a borderline uh, running back one uh to, to date and rest of the season yeah it's true and um the snap share you know has really uh not become anything close to a committee anymore with Rex Burkhead I mean Burkhead is just a real fringe uh player in this offense at this point even if they're down a lot of points and they're doing hurry up offense uh they're still keeping Damian Pierce on the field. So that's what you like to see uh, if you're a Damian Pierce manager. And um, I saw some interesting discussion about him in terms of a dynasty conversation. I won't take it too long in that uh, direction since I know most of our listeners are probably redraft managers. But um, there is this talk about what, how do you value these guys that were not early round picks, these running backs who mm-hmm. put up really big numbers in their first year. Uh, we've seen it with some guys like Philip Lindsay and James Robinson. I've seen some comparisons to those guys, uh, which would suggest that Damian Pierce would be a sell candidate in Dynasty. <laughs> um, do you agree with that line of thinking? I mean, I don't know because, like, what are the Texans going to do next year? Are they going to are they going to draft another running back? Probably not. They're going to draft a quarterback for sure. Um, I could see Damian Pierce being a big part of this offense for the next couple years. And like for running back, you know, I'm relatively new to Dynasty. I think. For wide receivers, you have a, like a lot more longevity typically, right? But for running backs, I think if you can get two, three, four good years, I mean, that's what you're looking for, and that's what you can probably get for Pierce. So I don't know that I would be looking to sell Pierce. Yeah, I don't. I'd have a tough time doing it as well. Um, he was at least like a mid-round pick. You know, some of those other guys were undrafted. Yeah. Uh, although I still did not expect the Jaguars to go out and draft Travis Etienne when they had James Robinson. So there is some. Risk. I mean, the, with these running backs, opportunity is so important. So you do always have to be looking over your shoulder and looking over their shoulder for them as a fantasy manager. But uh, just how he looks like the real deal and um, was underutilized in college. But that's not been the case with Houston. And I, I would be surprised if they did anything but stick with him for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think on the Eagles side, I'll just say Devontae Smith, another dud. We talked in the preview. I was just kind of like, yeah, start all your Eagles, including him. Um, so that was a little disappointing. I mean, you you, you kind of have to start all your Eagles, including him. But I guess he becomes more of a, a flex consideration if you have better options. But in this offense, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like a Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis has had a couple duds recently. But 
you're often going to continue to start him because he's got a good quarterback, high-powered offense. It's hard to to bench a guy like Devontae Smith or Gabe Davis, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I might have to downgrade Smith a little bit in my rankings because I've been kind of treating him as a low-end wide receiver, too, every week. Um, This game, he only got two targets, so that's not Mm -hmm. what you want to see. He has not... He's only topped 44 receiving yards once in his last five games. So this is kind of an extended quiet streak for him at this point. But like you said, you, you see what he did back in week three, eight catches, 169 yards and a touchdown. Like that's the kind of upside that he has in this offense. So he's a player you're, you're starting in all likelihood, but he's more of a maybe high end wide receiver three at this point. Yep. Uh, all right. Next game, we'll move to the uh, one o'clock games on Sunday. And there are a lot of them, as I mentioned. Uh, first one, Chargers 20, Falcons 17. Uh, I saw <laughs> I saw somebody posted on Twitter that this game ended the exact same way the Chargers-Falcons game ended in, in 2020. Uh, it was also 17-all, and the Chargers com- completed a long pass out of bounds right at the end of the game and kicked the winning field goal. So uh, hmm. <laughs> that, it was almost eerie how similar that, those things looked, but... Um, in terms of like fantasy takeaways in this game, I think we have to start with Cordell Patterson, who uh, yeah. came back to the lineup for Atlanta and immediately scored two touchdowns. Um, so he's definitely back in that RB2 uh, territory, I would say, at this point. Um, but but Tyler Algier did not completely go away by any means. Uh, he and Patterson actually split snaps down the middle in this game. Um, and it was actually Algier that was the more productive player in terms of yardage uh not 10 carries 99 yards uh and also it caught a ball for 24 yards so uh, a nice game for Algier as well and um I, I would maybe expect the snaps to start um trending a little more towards Patterson but he's not a bell cow back you know right. so I think we're looking at maybe a 60 40 split between him and Algier and I guess the real question is uh what happens to Caleb Huntley because he still got a little bit of run in this game as well, but I feel like if, if Patterson snaps come come up a little bit, it might be at Huntley's expense. I would agree, and it's not like you can start any of the receiving options with this being such a high-powered rush attack. So, you know, you can't really rely on Drake London, Kyle Pitts, week, week in, week out, but you definitely can rely on the running game. So, like you said, Patterson becomes an RB2. I think Algier still stay, stays in that flex territory, and Huntley becomes more of a handcuff at this point, and... Like you, like you said, who knows? I mean, Damian Williams could come back. So Huntley is probably maybe not droppable yet. Uh, maybe see what happens a week or two if you can if you can hold on. But yeah, I, I, I see it being more of a two man committee, and Huntley loses out, like you said. Yeah, I, I guess that's interesting to look at him as a handcuff because they do run the ball so much that um, you're probably going to see two running backs getting double digit yeah. carries most weeks for this team. So a if one of them, if, if, yeah, I mean, if one <laughs> of them, well, it's like a double handcuff, you know, because if either yeah. of them go down. Then he yep. steps into some action. So uh, it's kind of like um, almost like the Brown situation with with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. And you could stash a, a Dearness Johnson in case either of the other guys go down. Um, sure. And I will say one crazy thing. I know Kyle Pitts only caught uh, two balls for 27 yards in this game. But I saw he had over 200 air yards <laughs> yeah. in this game. So that's pretty wild. That's a huge number uh, for any player, let alone a tight end. Uh, didn't translate into anything, but, um, you know, the one thing about Marcus Mariota, I feel like he gets kind of, you see all these 129 yard stat lines from him. And I think people think he doesn't have a ton of arm strength and all that, but actually when they do throw, they, they tend to throw down the field, Mm -hmm. you know? So, 
Um, it's a lot of play action and then take your shots because it's like very selective when they take those shots. But um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. If if London or Pitts can haul in one of those long balls, then maybe they can uh, get by for fantasy. But it's it's really hard to trust either of them as we've as we've discussed ad nauseum. <laughs> yeah, and on the Chargers side, there's not a whole lot to say other than you know Austin Eckler is Austin Eckler. He scored. Uh, didn't have a, a great game, but you know he was well. I, I guess he did because he ended up scoring twice. So Eckler's Eckler's a stud, and then uh, really looking for Keenan Allen to come back if that'll ever happen. But um, in the meantime, Joshua Palmer looked pretty good. Ten targets, went over 100 yards receiving. So that's nice to see. I actually started DeAndre Carter in our dynasty league over Drake London in the same matchup. So I think as long as Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out, those two are you know you can wide receiver two for Palmer maybe or at least wide receiver three. And then Carter's a flex option. I mean, I think Palmer is a wide receiver too, as long if if Allen and Williams are out. Um, yep. There's just so much opportunity there, and you're getting the ball thrown to you by Justin Herbert. So it's a it's a pretty nice situation, even though uh, they won't be facing the Falcons every single week. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Next game: uh, Dolphins 35 and the Bears 32. Uh, both of these quarterbacks just continue to tear it up um with two that's been going on really all season at this point um but it's just you know it's more of the same like quick reads um he still makes a few throws every game where you're like he really underthrew that it could have been a touchdown that happened in this game and <laughs> almost gave the bears a chance to come back and Gosh. uh tire win the game but um the end results for fantasy are just amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's the perfect offense for his skill set and the perfect weapons to have. Uh, Tyree Kill is on pace to set the NFL record for receiving yards in a season, um, over 2,000 receiving yards he's on pace for. He's already got over 1,100 yards, and we're barely halfway through the year. Uh, and Jalen Waddell, same kind of thing. I mean, just week in and week out, these guys are producing. Yeah, and our guy, Raheem Mostert, you know, still like him a lot. He scored in this game, but Jeff Wilson came over, so we have the the former, you know, San Francisco running back uh, crew there in Miami now. And if you held on to Jeff Wilson after the McCaffrey trade over and then when the trade deadline came and he, Wilson got traded himself, um, you know, you got to like where, where he is. I mean, he's got a little bit of flex appeal himself. Uh, he looked he looked pretty good in this game, got a lot of touches, uh, found the end zone himself on a receiving he had a receiving t- touchdown. So Wilson's going to be, you know, flexible um, some weeks, right? Yeah. Someone was talking about holding him. Who was that? Oh, that was me. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that was you. Yeah. I was saying, I was saying drop it, drop him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think he's a must roster player, honestly, right now. He actually played more snaps and had more touches than Mostert in this game. Um, so, you know, both of these guys were handpicked for this team by Mike McDaniel, who came over. Uh, from the 49ers where he coached both of these guys. So um, he went out and got Raheem Mostert in free agency in the offseason, and he went out and traded for Jeff Wilson in season because uh, Chase Edmonds was just a poor fit and was not giving him what he was looking for in that running game. So now I feel like they have two guys who can pretty much do the same kind of things in this offense, um, uh, you know, the the San Francisco-style running at- uh, r- rushing attack. And um, – it's. I was thinking initially that maybe he, you know, Wilson would be more insurance for Mostert, but now it mm-hmm. looks really like they're going to go with more of a hot hand approach 
Uh, and right now it looks really like a, a pretty even 50-50 committee. So I think both of these guys look like high-end RB3s right now, uh, just based on um, the potential of the offense and the running game there. Um, but, uh, you know, it definitely is a little bit of a hit to Mostert that Wilson uh, immediately uh, plays more than him in his first game. And and if you if you held Wilson and benched him here, don't feel bad about him having a decent game because most of the guys who got traded, you know, Claypool, Naheem Hines, some of the guys we'll talk about, they didn't do much in their first game. Zach Moss was inactive. So, you know, it's better to take a wait-and-see approach here. So if you bench Jeff Wilson and he had 10 points on your bench or whatever, don't sweat it. You know, maybe maybe you play him next week, but it's always good to wait and see it with these because most, the, most of the time it didn't work out this way. Yeah, I mean, Wilson was a little bit of an exception just because he had worked with McDaniel before and, and basically knew the offense already. But, uh, but yeah, that point is well taken. And um, honestly, if, if you're rostering Jeff Wilson, you should just be happy that his value spiked um, after this game. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the big story here is Justin Fields, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you mentioned Tua, who really got overshadowed by what Fields did with you know breaking the what was it the regular season rushing record uh, for was the it quarterback. a regular season or I think it was just period. Was but what it? I saw was regular season, which made me think someone must have had a killer playoff game if they were really? it that way. I don't know. <laughs> I got to go back and look, but that's I didn't that's, see that that qualification in yeah. in uh, reading up about it, but. We'll have but to any, do some more research. Yeah, in any event, 178 yards on the ground with that 61-yard touchdown. Pretty awesome. Had three had three pass, passing touchdowns as well, um, only 123 passing yards. But, hey, uh, you know, you'll take it. And uh, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet were beneficiaries. This is what I was thinking these guys could do, you know, coming into the year. And Fields is heating up. Uh, you know, Komet, we'll get into some tight ends. I, I, you have to have Komet in your top five tight ends. I know you do <laughs> when we talk waiver wire later. <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant like <laughs> no. rest of season. I'm not no. quite there. <laughs> to, to add in the waiver wire. Yeah, we get yeah he's starting to finally uh, get that positive touchdown regression that we've been waiting a year and a half for. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, you know, Fields, what can you say? I mean, he's been a top seven fantasy quarterback four weeks in a row now, and each week he keeps being better and better. Um, it's it, You know, I read that, the, um, that Matt Eberflus and the coaching staff there uh, – basically looked um, drew up some plays to m- mirror what uh, teams like the Bills and the Ravens uh, were doing and what the Texans did back when they had Deshaun Watson uh, to try to put Justin Fields in positions to be successful. And it's really nice to see that finally happening because that never happened under Matt Nagy. Nope. <laughs> and it didn't happen, honestly, for the first six weeks of this season either. So uh, there's been a real shift um, towards – making full use of, of what Justin Fields can do. And, you know, instead of trying to, you know, force him to fit into a system, they're designing a system around his strengths. And um, just, you know, I feel like he has a level of, of comfort. He's comfortable with what they're doing now. And it's more like um, getting into the mode he was in in college. And uh, it's leading to some amazing plays. I mean, he had two huge runs in this game where he uh, broke 20 miles per hour Mm. Um, according to next gen stats. And uh, I believe that's the first time that's ever happened that a quarterback had two such runs in the same game. So uh, <laughs> Fields is, is breaking all kinds of records with his rushing right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he won a ton of people of uh, fantasy matchups this week. He won me one. I, I uh, played him over Tom Brady. And honestly, man, I would have been sick to my stomach had I played Tom Brady over Justin Fields this week. You know, that would have just, uh, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, that would be much worse than benching Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say also, uh, Clay- Chase Claypool with his uh, debut for the Bears, 
you mentioned it before, um, slow starts for some of these new guys. But uh, Claypool, he played about 36% of the snaps, so they did kind of work him in a little more than some of the other guys um, that yeah. were on new teams who were early on the field, yeah, um, like a Kadarius Tony or a Naheem Hines. Yeah. Um, and he almost came down with a couple of big plays in this game. Uh, there were a couple plays where he kind of got tackled, uh, got got wrestled by uh, by defenders. Um, one of them was called for a penalty. The other one was controversially not, and uh, Bears fans were not happy about that because it may have had an uh, impact on the outcome of the of the game. But <laughs> they are going to try to make some big plays down the field with Chase Claypool. So there'll be better days ahead for him, and they do have a couple really uh, soft matchups coming up. All right. Uh, next game, we've got the Bengals 42, the Panthers 21. Uh, I believe you sort of called that this would be a get-right game for the Bengals at home against Carolina, and it certainly was. Yeah. Uh, and it was certainly a get-right game for Joe Mixon, <laughs> who <laughs> scored five touchdowns in this game, four rushing and one receiving, went over 200 yards from scrimmage as well. Just a monster game. I believe it was the 22nd biggest fantasy performance of all time. Um, and, you know, the usage has been great for Mixon all along. The He um, he was, I believe, the player who had the biggest discrepancy between his expected fantasy points and his actual fantasy points among running backs coming into this game, which means he's in a good offense. He's getting really good usage both as a receiver and a runner including red zone work just all of the things you look for to be a, a high-end fantasy running back and it just hadn't translated really he only had uh three touchdowns so far on the season coming into this game and hadn't gone over 100 yards since week one but uh he certainly cruised past both of those <laughs> numbers uh in this game and uh, just all the regression basically came at once for him yeah, the only way to combat uh, a Mixon, if you're facing him, was probably like a Justin Fields, to be honest. I mean, this week, we had a couple of these huge performances, whereas week eight, it was like the week of the three touchdown games. You know, we had a lot of, of pretty big performances last week, and then this week, it was a couple like huge, you know, even bigger ones, but from fewer guys. It was, was kind of the difference, you know? Yeah, big picture, I feel like this week was, there was a lot of games that looked more like earlier in the year where teams were yeah. kind of struggling, which was unfortunate to see the return of that but mm -hmm. um but yeah at least you're right we did get a few of these <laughs> massive games to uh to appease us yeah um, i think you could try to buy low you know on a on a tyler boyd you probably can't buy low on higgins but you might be able to buy low on a tyler boyd just in a in a quiet game where Mixon did everything um you might have a fantasy manager who just kind of looks at it like eh, it's tyler boyd whatever but like you know i expect chase to miss a couple more games um I can't remember. He didn't land on the IR, did he, Chase? No, they so, they yeah. didn't want to put him on there, which I feel like we're seeing that more and more with teams with their star players. Like they're just if there's right. any chance they're going to miss less than four games, they just don't put him on the IR. But he's going to yeah. miss a couple more games. So I feel like Tyler yeah. Boyd is a guy who you can plug in for the next two, three weeks. So might be a good buy low option, especially if you need you know a body in there with some other bye weeks coming up. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Higgins could be a buy also. I, I mean, I th certainly thought he was a buy when Chase was healthy because people just treated him as the number two guy there. Um, but, you know, he's um, he's been kind of a little bit quiet recently. And um, I saw, like, the I believe it was, like, the NBC Sports Edge blurb about him after the game said, like, he's a 
wide receiver two slash three now or something. And I'm like, <laughs> if anyone's viewing him like that, then he's yeah. definitely a buy. So absolutely, it's always worth checking to see um, what the uh, Higgins manager in your league thinks of him because I still see him as a borderline wide receiver one. Yeah, I think I think the big news on the Panther side, honestly, is uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., who had who had his first, I believe it was his first touchdown of his career. Kind of mm-hmm. jumped over it the was. guy, you know, big bodied him, went up and got it. And uh, yeah, he's been good lately. And you got Baker Mayfield who came in in this game after two PJ Walker interceptions. And Sam Darnold, I believe, got <laughs> activated off IR. So who knows who's going to start at quarterback? But well, they've already announced that for Thursday, anyway, PJ Walker is going to start. Uh, he's been a short huh? week. So hmm. um, I feel like this is not the week they want to change things up. Um, yeah. But. I mean, if you have DJ Moore, you should be rooting for uh, Walker to hold on to the job or Darnold, but not Mayfield. Yep. <laughs> you know, I don't I would think agree. Mayfield will be good good news for DJ Moore uh, or Terrence Marshall. Honestly, I mean, Baker Mayfield just he did throw two touchdowns in this game, but um, I just I just don't trust it with him. No, definitely not. And poor Deonta Foreman after the huge week last week crashes back down to earth. Uh, that's kind of what happens when you're down 35 nothing at halftime your big bruising running back is uh probably not going to play a huge role yeah my man raheem blackshear got that garbage time touchdown so don't <laughs> don't look in, into that at all it was just like they were down what four touchdowns at that point maybe five <laughs> so yeah yeah nothing really to see there but i like to see it because I, I scooped him up in dynasty just in case he gets some some run down the down the stretch here he did play a few more snaps than uh, Spencer Brown this week, but it was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. And it, given the the stat line in this game, I'm not sure you can read into the snap counts much at all from uh, from Carolina or right. Cincinnati. By the way, Joe Burrow was uh, rested, shall we say? Yeah, halfway through the third quarter in this game. Yep. All right. Next game, we've got the Lions 15 and the Packers nine. Oh man. Uh, Man, I, this is the last straw for for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, as far as I'm concerned. I, yeah, um, I have a, in one of my leagues. I had Rodgers has been my quarterback all year, and I traded for Dak Prescott Smart. and started Prescott <laughs> uh, in Week Eight. But then he was on bye this week. I said, well, I'll hold Aaron Rodgers for one more game. He's facing the Lions, so <laughs> what you know, he's got to be okay, right? Uh, yeah, he. Throws one touchdown and three interceptions. Uh, all three of the interceptions were at or near the end zone. Um, yeah. So killed. Long, they had these long drives. The Packers kept driving all the way down the field and then turning the ball over uh, in the red zone. So it was it was just ugly. Uh, and I feel like if you if you can't start Aaron Rodgers against the Detroit Lions, you cannot start Aaron Rodgers against anybody. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm with you, man. This and if if you were smart enough to jump off the Packers bandwagon, you know, two three weeks ago, good for you. I was I was still hanging on, just kind of like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna pull out this win. I I didn't bet on this game. I definitely bet on the Bengals in that in that game. I did not bet on the Packers just because, yeah, I didn't believe, but I still was kind of like they've got to do it. But yeah, you're right. It was it was a stinker, and they had multiple guys in walking boots after the game. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was actually on crutches and a walking boot. Uh, the reports are that this one might be like an IR type high ankle sprain, I think, and yeah, it's a little more positive. Weeks, I think they're talking about. Yeah, I actually dropped him uh, in a league, which even is a keep, you know, a keeper league where he could be kept for a certain round pick. But yeah, it's one of those where I went and picked up Wandale Robinson, who we'll probably talk about 
in our waiver wire, I, I thought, you know what? I'll drop Dobbs, pick up another high upside guy in Robinson. And um, yep. yeah, Aaron Jones was also, he left the game, but it sounds like his is not as serious. They expect him to likely be ready for Dallas in week 10. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds we'll see. Le- yeah, we'll, we will see about that because that was sort of weird. Like he was asked about his x-rays and he was like, they were fine. And then Ian Rappaport reported <laughs> that uh, they were actually inconclusive and that there were more tests being done. But then I do think there was another report after that that sounded um, vaguely optimistic that he'll be that he won't miss time. But yeah, it will definitely be something to watch. Unfortunately, AJ Dillon has just looked like he's been running in mud all season this year. So um, the upside of AJ Dillon that existed in previous seasons, I'm not sure exists quite as much in this current uh, version of the Packers offense. I would agree, though. This is a in week looking ahead to week 10 this is a 430 game i think so you know you might be able to make like a low value trade to get dylan if you have jones which i'm going to look to do because i have jones in like three leagues and i'm just going to see what i can get um in the leagues where i don't have dylan just i'm not going to pay up for him because you're right he doesn't have a ton of value but like if i have to wait around on jones i'd like to have dylan as a backup there oh yeah yeah i mean i would definitely if i had jones i would want dylan anyway it's just one of those uh, especially as we get in the later part of the season, you want you yeah, know, that's a good time to get your handcuffs if you can, and it's a very direct handcuff situation. They don't, I mean, Kylan Hill was sprinkled in after Jones left the game, but really, this is a two-man uh, backfield. You're not going to really see anyone else factor in uh, if Jones was to miss time. Yep. Uh, and then on the Lions side of this game, I, I think the big story has to be DeAndre Swift continuing to barely play um yeah. <laughs> it's actually impressive that he put up 50 yards in this game because uh he he uh he barely played i think it was like 16 percent of the snaps in this game um and i i don't know what the lions are doing honestly i mean they're two and six like if he's not healthy why are you even playing him at all i to, to just be using him this this little is sort of mind-boggling to me. Uh, it's two weeks in a row now this has happened. Uh, they are, you know, Dan Campbell just said today, I believe, that he'd like to give him a little more work next week. Uh, so read into that as you wish what little means in that context. Um, but I think we're probably at a point right now where – uh, Jamal Williams is a better fantasy option uh, than Swift um, until we see Swift's uh, snap counts jump back up. Yeah, and I will, I'll say I'm on wrestling Brown, much like a T. Higgins um, is a buy low for me if you can, because especially with Hawkinson gone, like there's just he had nine targets, which was by far and away the most targets. Like DeAndre Swift, like you were just talking about, had four. Tom Kennedy had four. So I'm on wrestling Brown. I think is going to have 10, 12 targets pretty much every game moving forward and he's a guy i'd like to have on my roster if i can buy low and you know watch him play on thanksgiving coming up and stuff like that like he's a he's a guy who's just he's gonna have some big games down the stretch for sure yeah no i like that i like that uh move for sure uh next game uh patriots 26 colts three and this was another bit of post-game news we haven't talked about yet the colts have uh fired head coach Frank Reich and replaced him with Jeff Saturday, their former uh, lineman who has never coached at the college or NFL levels. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So this is a very uh, head scratching move. They now have nobody on staff who has ever called plays in the NFL before. Um, So, I mean, the Colts offense is a dumpster fire right now. Uh, 
Sam Ellinger is not looking like any kind of an upgrade on Matt Ryan, who was already one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Um, so it's actually, if anything, get, gotten even worse uh, for the Colts pass catchers with Ellinger. He's also, you know, he'll, he'll scramble around a little bit, but I mean, he's not uh, a fantasy option in his own right right now based on rushing ability. So um, it's a mess. Uh, you know, Michael Pittman to me feels like a wide receiver three now. Oh, yeah. Um, and and Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell are waiver wire fodder. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor missed this game with an injury, and then Deion Jackson hurt his knee in this game. So uh, I'm not chasing guys like Jordan Wilkins and Philip Lindsay uh, and Zach Moss. Um, you know, really mediocre talents in a, in a really bad uh, bottom of the barrel offense. Yeah, and if they don't rush, you know, Jonathan Taylor back, if they continue to start Ellinger. This is, I mean, with this Sat- Jeff Saturday hire, this just feels like a full tank job, honestly. I don't know. I mean, I know teams say they don't tank, but, like, we've seen teams tank, and there's a lot of good quarterbacks <laughs> coming up in this draft class. I just, I don't know. Like, if they don't go to Nick Foles in a week or two, and if Jonathan Taylor isn't back in the lineup soon, I just think this just has full tank mode written all over it. I mean, they basically went to full tank mode when they went to Sam Ellinger in the first place. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're trying to make the playoffs, like you're not going to a guy who's never started before and was a sixth round pick. I mean, that's yep. that's not a move that a contending team makes. You know, if they were <laughs> if they didn't like how Matt Ryan was playing, yeah, Nick Foles is kind of the perfect backup, honestly, to, to go to. But that wasn't what they wanted to do. I mean, Jim Ursay, their owner, is kind of going off the deep end a little bit lately. To be <laughs> honest, I mean. Um, he was the only owner that criticized Dan Snyder, which you could say takes bravery and was the right thing to do. But um, you know, it also shows maybe that he's not uh, not not too uh, conscious about walking the line and uh, staying in, in bounds and <laughs> um, to use a football term there, I guess. Uh, and then also, he had this quote about Saturday that really I just saw this right before we came on. Uh, he said that like. He's glad he doesn't have coaching experience because experienced coaches get scared and rely too much on analytics. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of feel like he just want he he they're like these guys are buddies. I mean, that's what yeah. this is. These guys are buddies and you know, Saturday's going to report back directly to him um every week and tell him what's going on inside the building and i th- i feel like that's what where this is coming from uh if you want to be charitable about it it's like a caretaker situation where uh, they're going to do a full-on search and find their their next coach um in the off season as opposed to trying to to make an in-season hire but um yeah this team I, I, honestly like stream defenses against the colts this could be the the uh this could be the best matchup for any opposing defense the rest of the year Absolutely. And I'm sure people were firing up the Patriots defense. They were great uh, this week, had a defensive touchdown late. Uh, you know, they, they were just they were just great. I think nine sacks, just awesome. And uh, I don't know, not a whole lot on the offensive side to really talk about here. Ramondre Stevenson, uh, he's, he's really good. And Damian Harris was out in this one, even when Harris comes back. So these guys, the Patriots going to buy this week. We didn't talk about the Bengals going on by. Uh, they also go on by Ravens and Jets are the other. So there's four buys coming up here in week 10. Um, so the Patriots are going to be off, and I would expect Damian Harris to probably be back, but it doesn't matter. You're going to be starting Ramondre Stevenson moving forward. He's been awesome. Yeah, doesn't look like that's going back to anywhere close to the even committee that it was earlier in the season. Um, you know, even before Harris, I mean, Harris missed the game with an illness, but even before that, he had sort of taken a backseat to Stevenson, who um, 
just brings skill set that Harris doesn't have. I mean, like Stevenson is is a great receiving back, and he scored a touchdown on a really nifty uh, move in the flats uh, in this game, and it just shows you the kind of things he brings to the table um, that that Harris just doesn't. Um, next game, yep. uh, Jets surprise the Bills, twenty yeah. to seventeen, and uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I th- I feel like the biggest talking point now at the, at this point has to be Josh Allen's health because uh, that wasn't something that looked like a huge issue in the game. He he injured his elbow and then threw like a seventy yard pass like right after that, so it was like okay, I guess he's not hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's more tests coming, and it could be a UCL issue, which is the kind of thing uh, we see a lot in in baseball, and that you and I talk a lot about <laughs> in our fantasy baseball uh, discussions for pitchers. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a typical football injury, but uh, w- we'll see. There's some discussion that he could miss. Uh, I mean, it's unclear. He could miss two to four weeks. He could miss more. Um, he could be fine. Uh, it's all all on the table right now. But uh, he's the number one quarterback in fantasy football, so that's obviously uh, a big news for him, and it'd be big news for this entire Bills offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's really the takeaway. I think Devin Singletary continues to be used, you know, as like this. I don't want to say every down back, but he's he's definitely. He's definitely the feature back in this offense. So if if Allen goes down, um, you know, for a few weeks, I would like Singletary. Uh, I think he might benefit a little bit. But yeah, the receivers, you know, Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, definitely would have to downgrade uh, Gabe Davis a bit even more than I already kind of am week after week lately. Yeah. You know? Although I will say the Bills do have Case Keenum as their backup, so it could be worse. But it's it could still not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the backfield is interesting. It, it was. You know, Naheem Hines played four snaps in his debut uh, with the Bills. And one, this hasn't been talked about much, but I saw a rumor that the Bills might have just acquired Naheem Hines because they wanted someone that would be a good punt returner. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, Which, that's interesting because they didn't have to give up much at all to get him. They gave up a sixth-round pick in Zach Moss. So, yeah, like that would be worth trading for a kick returner, you know, like, yeah. Um, and James cook still played some in this game. So I'm not as like certain as I was at this time last week that Naheem Hines is going to steal James cook's complimentary role. Like I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to duke it out, you know, and <laughs> yeah. um, they're going to decide how they want to use Hines, but there's a good chance that he is less valuable in Buffalo than he was in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's that's very possible. It's a good point, and especially looking at the at the box score and the touches uh, in this one. Um, on the Jet side, I don't really care to talk about them much, but they did win the game. And Michael Carter, he was on my bench in our dynasty league because I just didn't really trust the matchup. But mm. he and James Robinson both uh, scored, and James Robinson was in, on a pass, a little short pass, and Carter was a rushing touchdown. So I don't know. I guess James Robinson might be uh, viable uh, moving forward when they get off the bye week. But Michael Carter. Um, these guys are both going to be sort of in the RB2, like low-end RB2 mix, I think, moving forward. And they kind of take a little bit of value off of each other, don't you think? Yeah, I feel like they're more like high-end RB3s. Like it's, it, yeah. To me, it's very similar to the, the Dolphins situation. Um, yeah. Except maybe even a little lower because I just think that Dolphins offense has more upside. Yep. Um, but at the same time, the Jets have a really nice schedule during the fantasy playoffs. Uh, they... They face Detroit, Jacksonville, and Seattle, which are all uh, teams that are not very good against the run. So 
Um, there could be better times ahead for James Robinson and, and uh, Michael Carter. I mean, they actually both did fine in this game, um, but it's just, you know, um, what can you count on week to week uh, from these guys? Like, they're not going to both score a touchdown every week. So, um, yeah, I, I would say they're RB3s, but um, in a lot of cases, you're probably still starting them. Um, and, but, yeah, I mean... It, Robinson only played six fewer snaps than Carter in this game and uh, had more touches. So uh, it's it's right there at a 50-50 committee. That, you know, they're both viable as long as Ty Johnson uh, gets phased out completely. Yeah, and Garrett Wilson's the only pass catcher I think you even want to want to consider for the Jets, right? Yeah, I mean, he's been impressive the last couple weeks. He's gotten back on track. I mean, he's just such a talented player. And I do want to give some kudos to Zach Wilson. I mean, like... The stats aren't really there, but he didn't make mistakes. I mean, he made one mistake, one fumble in this game, but uh, for the most part, he played a really clean game against one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best teams in the league, and led his team to victory. So uh, Zach Wilson's not going anywhere in terms of uh, being the starting quarterback for this team. I mean, the Jets are sitting at 6-3 and now, and they're they're finding a way to win games with him, and I think he's starting to gain some confidence. So uh, it's not going to translate into huge fantasy performances this season at least but um it's certainly something where you know in a super flex league like he can he can at least be serviceable i mean i mentioned i started him in two leagues this week and i won both of those matchups nice (laughs) yeah all right next game uh vikings 20 commander 17 Kirk Cousins' revenge game. <laughs> uh, and he, ha- of course, did a ridiculous dance on the airplane. No <laughs> shirt on after that is, I can't stop seeing on Twitter. Please make it go I know. away. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I, you know, on the on the Viking side, to me, the big story, I mean, obviously, Justin Jefferson has another Justin Jefferson huge game. But the, to me, there's two stories on the, on the Viking side. And again, this is a team that usually is predictable and everything. But um, Dalvin Cook played 86% of the snaps. So Alexander Madison had been much more of a factor in this, uh, in this committee than he had in previous seasons. But this week, this was like the typical Dalvin cook workload that we've seen in past seasons. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting. Like it seems like his, his, uh, snap share has really been trending up recently. And part of that might've had to do with Madison's health. But I think at this point, Madison's healthy and it's just, Cook is uh, healthy as well and, and getting that workload. So not a huge game for Dalvin Cook, but he did get in the end zone. Um, but it's just the usage that I think is is very encouraging for him. And then, of course, TJ Hawkinson, the new uh, the newest Viking, uh, he was a guy who was thrown right in and, and played a big role, caught all nine of his targets for 70 yards. Uh, so it seems like Kirk Cousins is going to like throwing the ball to TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and I mean, you have to downgrade Adam Thielen a little bit. He he's been he's been getting banged up in the last couple of games too. And I just, man, I just worry about Adam Thielen. I've seen him get injured too often. I feel like he's just gonna pull a hammy or something's gonna come up. And just the fact that T.J. Hawkinson got this workload instantly just kind of makes me feel like Thielen might be third in the pecking order now, or at least a a two a two B a two B to the to Hawkinson's two A or something or vice versa. You know. Right, it might be one of those situations where only one of them can pay off each week, and you don't know which one it's going to be. Exactly. But you're more you're more okay with that at tight end than you are at wide receiver. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then how about on the Washington side? And JD McKissick was out for this game, so we got to yeah. see um, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson both uh, play quite a bit, but um, the results were not 
super impressive. No, not great. I mean, the offense just didn't look great as a whole. Um, Taylor Heineke, I mean, if it weren't for that big play where the, the guy ran into the ref and <laughs> Curtis Samuel oh got that. Oh, my God, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it was just a wild play. Um, <laughs> I saw someone. I had the Viking defense, so I was not happy oh. about that. I saw someone tweet about like you know that ref definitely had money on the commanders. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny like because you know he was running like to avoid these other defenders and yeah. receiver, but he ended up running directly into the other defenders. Or almost like it almost looks like it was intentional. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, these refs are out there doing the best they can. It's got to be hard. I mean, I've I've umpired baseball games. Like it's hard. I'm a big guy. It's hard to like get out of the way sometimes. You know. Sometimes yeah, well, just... the problem is the ref probably wasn't that big a guy, so he also had to take a big hit. So <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I, I feel bad for him in that respect as well. Absolutely. So, you know, Heineke, I, I like the guy. I like his moxie. You know, I like I like how he, <laughs> he, he reminds me of, like, Brett Favre at times, or maybe Jameis Winston is a better <laughs> example, but just doesn't care, man. He'll throw it up, and he, he, he makes big plays like that sometimes, and he'll make them with his legs sometimes. We saw him, you know, rush one in at the end of the game in week uh, eight, so... I don't know. He's he's a low end. Like in a super flex league, I'm, I'm I started him in Scott Fishbowl. I probably will continue to, uh, maybe even over a guy like Matthew Stafford week in and week out as long as Heineke has the job. Yeah, I can see it at this point for sure. And, yeah, uh, or at least play matchups. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I uh, we'll see if on Jahan Dotson he he missed this game as well, but he might be nearing a return. So we'll have to see what that does um, to uh, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Uh, McLaurin continues to just get a lot of targets um, with Heineke under center. So uh, not a huge game for him statistically in this game, but I, I still feel pretty good about him right now. Yeah, I know I sound like a broken record, but he's another by low wide receiver. You know, I, I would much rather go for a guy like T. Higgins, but like on a to a lesser extent, I love Terry McLaurin. And if you can buy low on him and get a guy uh, like him, like, yeah, just the, the target volume. I'm not worried about Dotson. I think he will get a little bit when he gets mixed back in, but... Yeah, I love the connection with McLaurin there. Yeah, he's a clear number one. Yep. Uh, all right. Jaguars 27, Raiders 20. Um, you know, Devontae Adams gets back on track uh, yeah. for Las Vegas. Uh, Josh Jacobs, not not so much, but uh, he was okay. Um, but, I mean, I you know, the, the, main, the main story, I guess, is Travis Etienne just – continues to ascend to superstardom and then yeah i was it was nice to see christian kirk also uh have a nice game uh against the raiders which uh something you should be able to do and and he <laughs> did yeah it's exactly like he should have right if he didn't that would have been concerning like these are the kind of these are the kind of matchups where you rank a guy and you move him up and you're like you need to have a good game here and yeah he did he found the end zone uh nine targets i, I mean they just need to get him nine ten targets a game good things will happen um, whether it's the Raiders or someone else. So as long as they continue to do that, like Christian Kirk is a rock-solid wide receiver too moving forward. Yep, yep, for sure. Any other thoughts on the uh, Raiders' side? I mean, Darren Waller misses another game. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know when we're going to see him at this point. I don't know, man. It's This is this is a weird year with some of these guys, like Michael Thomas, like Keenan Allen, like, I mean, Darren Waller. These guys who, I mean, obviously should have gone on short-term IR at least, but we're talking five, six weeks. And then like Michael Thomas obviously did go on IR. It's just, it's just weird, man. Even Keenan Allen, it's like he got worse over the bye week Like what is going on with these guys? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're just, it's like optimistic, uh, handling yeah. on them and, uh, ends up just making it worse than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, all right. 
Seahawks 31, Cardinals 21. I wrote about the Seahawks in my Fantasy Pros article uh, this week. It's just, it's a feel-good offense. It's a feel-good team. I mean, no one thought the Seahawks post-Russell Wilson were going to be running away with the NFC West, but that's what's happening right now. Um, They're a game and a half ahead of San Francisco, and even more now ahead, three games ahead of this Cardinals team after this game. Um, You know, Geno Smith is borderline QB1 week in and week out, and Kenneth Walker is, you know, the waiver wire pickup of the year, uh, just completely exploding on the scene. Two late touchdowns to ice this game mm-hmm. and uh, defeat me in my one league where I lost this week. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it's just nice with the passing game. I mean, I know Noah Fant ended up having a nice game here. I think that's kind of an anomaly because the Cardinals are one of the worst teams at defending tight ends. But really, all the fantasy production here is funneled to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, and um, that's just really nice to have the you know along with Geno Smith these four guys that you can pretty much play with confidence every single week. Yeah, and it was nice to see Walker have three catches himself for twenty yards. So just to add that to his repertoire. Hope that continues. I don't expect it to be much more than this in any given week because the Seahawks that's just not really what they do. Um, but I'll take a hundred yards, two touchdowns anytime <laughs> with Walker. Yeah, I think so. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, on the on the Cardinal side, you know Kyler Murray continues to. Be solid, have that solid rushing floor. He had eight carries for 60 yards in here, had a couple touchdown passes. Um, Hopkins had one, Ertz had the other. Rondale Moore actually led the team in targets. Um, so, like, really all these guys, you know, Hopkins is obviously a, a start every week. Ertz has become that with t- the tight end position. And Rondale Moore, to me, uh, is pretty much in wide receiver 2-3 territory and is a flex consideration every week. I mean, if he's getting these kind of kinds of targets, um, I mean, he was, he was running yeah. kind of these deep crossing patterns, like, just getting a little bit more air yards, a little bit more than just these little short passes to catch and run, you know? Yeah, and uh, and playing out of the slot. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the key. Like, he, he is now their slot man for the majority of his snaps, and that's what you want to see. Yep. And he's been producing since he's been given that role, um, especially when they're chasing points in a game like this. Like, he's going to catch a lot of those short to intermediate um, routes. Like you said, they were getting him a little further down the field, but that's middle of the field, 10, 15 yards down the field. That's like his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and then James Conner returns in this game, plays 72% of the snaps, um, which is really promising, I think, for James Conner. Uh, it looks like he really is um, going to slot right back into his his usual role at this point and be that, that uh, not quite like every down back, but play the, the vast majority of the snaps. I mean, you know, Benjamin at this point is not really a standalone fantasy option, um, but I think Connor uh, solidified his RB2 credentials in this game. I would agree. And uh, he had five catches in this game, which was really nice to see. You know, talking about Ken Walker, James Connor's not a guy that you think of as having a ton of, you know, receiving chops. I'm looking at his game log from last year. He did have a couple games where he had at least five catches. It uh, looks like he had four such games. So, not yeah, too often. Yeah, they used him a bit that way last year. It was nice to see. Yeah. I didn't so, really have yeah, anything else. I, I, you know, the stats on this game were not huge for him, but uh, I think with that kind of usage, I mean, you still have – I think his upside is capped by the by the offense. Like last year, this was just a much better offense, and that's why James Conner scored 15 touchdowns and was an RB1. Like that's probably not going to happen this season, but – um, I think the kind of usage he's getting and the fact that he can do it both in the rushing and receiving game means uh, he's going to be a pretty high floor RB2 option as long as he's healthy. 
Yeah, better days are ahead. You know, this is his first game back from injury. I'm looking at his schedule coming up, and you know they have the Niners. Uh, well, they have the they have the Rams, Niners, and then I'm looking at Week 12 against the Chargers. I have a feeling by then he'll be back up to speed. I think that'll be a good game where I'll I'll rank him borderline RB one. Yeah, anytime <laughs> you're facing the Chargers run defense, that's a good yeah. time to boost a guy up those rankings. <laughs> that's right. All right, uh, Buccaneers 16, Rams 13. <laughs> you know, this was the game that like. We were talking about it, like coming into the season, the schedule makers were probably like, this one's going to be amazing. And then oh, by the yeah. time we actually get to it, it, we already knew it was going to be a dud. And I mean, I guess like from a competitive football standpoint, it was kind of exciting to get to see Tom Brady do his Tom Brady thing, the the last minute game winning drive and hits Kate Otten for the winning touchdown at the very end of the game. So for that final drive, it looked like the Tom Brady of old, but uh, for the most part, it's the Tom Brady of 2022 and the Matthew Stafford of 2022, and that's not great news for fantasy managers. No, definitely not. I mean, Brady threw the ball 58 times, 280 yards, just dinking his dunking, dunking his way down the field. Um, I actually dropped Brady in that league where I started him or started Fields over Brady. I, I added Donovan Peoples-Jones and dropped Tom Brady in that league. And you know what? Hey, you, you dropped a Michigan guy to add a Michigan guy. That's okay. And you know what? It felt good. It really did feel good because I have Deshaun Watson in that league too. So I'm going to play Justin Fields until Deshaun Watson comes back. And, you know, I'll have that I'll have that going for me. There you go. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I still have more faith in Brady than in Stafford. But, I mean, yeah, I think if you can avoid – starting Tom Brady at this point you probably should do that again it's only one game all year where he's thrown more than one touchdown pass which is really just hard to believe I mean it is and I like Brady like I like Brady over Stafford rest of the season I like Brady over Aaron Rodgers uh just yep. for the fact that Brady has Godwin and he has Mike Evans you know and like I mean he hit Scotty Miller in the chest in the end zone I mean like he's got remember that against the, yeah. was it the Panthers where Mike Evans dropped that pass at the beginning I mean he is he probably has a lot of fantasy points that are just like out there that didn't get caught, you know? Yeah, so there's something weird psychologically going on with this team. I can't figure out what it is. They're just like, yeah, they're just not all on the same page with each other. Um, and it's you can't pin it on any one guy. It's just kind of they all seem like they're in a funk. But yeah. they did win the game. At least they did. the Rams are in an even bigger funk. And uh, I, you know, I don't. Other than Cooper Cup, it's just. This whole team is just a mess at this point. You know, for a while it was Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, but now Tyler Higby had one uh, target, zero catches in this game. It's his third straight game where he's done absolutely nothing. And I dropped him in a league uh, yesterday because uh, even as bad as tight end is, I, I don't think he's doing enough to be a confident top twelve guy week in and week out anymore. Right. You you can you can stream better. Um if you haven't dropped Allen Robinson by now, I mean you, you absolutely should. I know he's like the number two receiver in this offense right now, but that's just nothing really. And I don't really know what to think about the running backs. I, I don't know if we'll mention Cam Akers when we talk running backs in the waiver wire section, but I think it's Darrell Henderson and then it could be Kyron Williams if he actually is healthy. It's a little concerning to me that he hasn't come back yet. I was hoping he'd be activated by now, but you know, I, I think they're they're holding a spot for him. I think they're keeping the seat warm. Kyron Williams I think he'll start over I think we're gonna see Cam Akers inactive here in a week or two when he's back do you okay. I do it we'll could see. be it could be I mean this backfield is impossible to to figure out I mean uh it was nice to see as someone who has Henderson and held on to him that he he did take back lead back duties but 
the weird thing is he wasn't even used the same way he was before. Like before he was uh, more the passing down back with mm-hmm. a little bit of early down work. And this game he was the early down back and it wasn't used for passing down work. Like I feel like Sean McVay is the kind of coach who's always shifting things and always changing everything up. And it's like tinkering with his lineup. Yeah. His I mean, lineup. And I sort of get it at this point because <laughs> the team has been so bad. Like he's trying to find a recipe that works, but yeah. um, the tinkering doesn't seem to be doing any good. And it just makes it, really hard for fantasy managers. You just don't know what to expect from this team. Like, you know, now Tyler Higby's not a part of the passing game anymore. And, um, the running backs are, you know, Malcolm Brown is still factoring in cam Akers. Like they, (laughs) they basically had some disagreement with him apparently about his role. And then like, it was amicable for some reason. And then they let him come back and give him, and he looks terrible run and he looks bad. And, yeah, I just I it makes no sense to me. Like none of it makes sense. Ronnie Rivers is still on the roster as well. So like you know, there's five running backs that could conceivably be involved at any time, but I I would tend to agree like it's probably Henderson and Ky- and uh, Kyron Williams that look like the the two guys to roster at this point on this uh, in this backfield and you just kind of wait and see how it goes. I don't really see either of them as like a a bell cow back and it's they're one of the worst running games in the entire league so i think you keep expectations in check but those two guys probably belong on fantasy rosters at least yep and if you have kyron williams stash i'd, I'd keep rooting for the rams to lose you know because <laughs> i think he's only more likely to get in the game if their season is over in a couple weeks more or less you know yeah i guess that's true let's see what they have in yeah him. exactly um but uh yeah and then uh, speaking of the the backup running backs rashad white on the buck side also um Continues to he had a season high eight carries in this game didn't yeah. do a whole lot but again Leonard Fournette did even less so uh, I still think there's a chance that they start leaning a little more on White as the season progresses. Yep, it's another. You know, I know I sound Warren. like a broken record on that one. <laughs> right, we talk about him, we talk about Jalen Warren. I know we'll talk about both guys in the waiver wire, but they both are looking better than you know the the incumbents and <laughs> the incumbent exactly. running backs. Exactly. All right, uh, so the Sunday night game, Chiefs. 20 Titans 17 in overtime. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to me, Cole Hardman. Uh, I gave a shout out to him in my article as well. This is his fourth game in a row that he's put up big uh, double digit fantasy points in PPR leagues. Uh, you know, I feel like he's a guy who um, had a steep learning curve and he, he had to deal with, uh, a very difficult situation, to be honest, because the reason they drafted him was because Tyreek Hill was having off-the-field issues, and it wasn't clear if Tyreek Hill was ever going to play another snap for the, the Chiefs at the time that they drafted Michael Hardman in the second round. They traded up to get him, and uh, it turned out Tyreek Hill played three more seasons with the Chiefs, which left Hardman as like this kind of bit player you know he was Mm -hmm. a kick returner and he would occasionally get some kind of deep shot and he had to be really efficient because he didn't get a lot of touches and he was not efficient he had a lot of drops uh not on the same page with Mahomes and it was there was a little bit of a dynamic like there was with you know Aaron Rodgers and Marquez Marquez Valdez Scantling where you you get the look and (laughs) you know they don't the the quarterback doesn't trust you and, and those sort of things so that was kind of like three years of that with me, Cole Hardman. But he looks like a totally different player to me this year. Like he just looks so much more comfortable in this offense, and um, they're they're scheming the ball to him. You know, they're giving him end arounds. They're throwing it to him in the red zone. 
Um, it, it's not just these gimmick plays with him anymore. Uh, like he, I think he's a much more part of the offense. And you know, I know everyone's been hyping up Kadarius Tony, um, but honestly, between Tony, MVS, who's now with the Chiefs, of course, and Hardman, Hardman's the one I would want at this point. I feel like he's the one that's producing right now. He's the one that's got the the rapport with with Mahomes that it took four years to build. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, don't mess with what works. I like if you if you need to roll the dice on a wide receiver three flex. I feel like McCall Hardman is definitely in play at this point. Agreed. And uh, you know, you mentioned Tyreek Hill a bit there when you were talking about Hardman and that's that's who he's looking like right now you know when he's when he's out there when he was out there ret- returning punts even and he's like getting the crowd excited and all this I'm like man he looks like Tyree Kill and they got him involved early um he scored the first touchdown of the game yeah they're scheming up plays to get him it's not and it, it's not just like little trick plays and stuff he's heavily involved um I know we're about to get to waiver wire and he's my like he would be my he's definitely my number one wide receiver pickup of people who are under 50% rostered but he would probably be my overall if we were ranking like you know our top five overall. He'd probably be my number one pickup of people who are rostered under fifty percent in Yahoo leagues this week. Nice, nice. Well, you're making me feel good as someone who has one in our dynasty league. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, and he's still pretty young too. I believe he's only twenty four years old or something like that. Yeah, he's young. Um, yeah. So, and then you know the rest of the Chiefs, it's kind of the more of the same. I mean, Juju and Kelsey both uh, get a ton of targets in this game. Uh, Mahomes dropped back to pass 68 times in this game, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when that happens, you're going to have multiple guys um, produce, and that's what we saw um, with Kelsey and Juju, who are who are still the top two targets in the passing yeah. game, even with the emergence of Hardman. Um, and then the running backs, I ugh, I don't know, man. Like the we were debating like ceh versus pacheco and the answer yeah. was neither <laughs> yeah or mckinnon like when we were previewing this game and i had ceh higher i was like and i ended up moving him down a little bit because after we were talking about it i'm like you know and i think i even said this on the preview pod was i could have all these guys ranked as like rb 30 to 35 which is kind of where they all belong they really all belonged as like rb 45 to 50 probably <laughs> but, right <laughs> you know yeah it was just it's just kind of gross and it's hard to trust them. I mean, though, there will be different games with different game scripts. I think the the Titans are really good against the run. They had a game plan, uh, you know, different, a little different game plan in this one. Passed at a ton, like you said, with all those targets going around. And I would agree. Like you, you definitely want Juju over Amico Hardman, but the gap is definitely closing for sure. Yep, yep. I I'm still going to be stubborn and rank Pacheco ahead of Ceh moving forward, but it's like. I think I need to move them both down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll yeah. talk about Pacheco here in a little bit too, because I've got him in my running back waiver wire. Uh, oh yeah, he's a sure. he's a perennial mention in the waiver wire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and on the te- on the Tennessee side, I mean Malik Willis, uh, he looked good at the very beginning of this game, um, and then not so much <laughs> the rest of the game. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, uh, does Derrick Henry things. He just you knew he was going to get it done statistically in this game, but the fact that they kept it uh, tight with the Chiefs and actually had the had the lead for a lot of the game um, meant that uh, Derek Henry, they could they could run the ball. They didn't run a lot of plays as a team um, in this game, but uh, Henry gets his, and the passing game just remains a complete uh, non-factor for Tennessee. Yeah, if they can do this against the Chiefs at Arrowhead with a rookie quarterback, you know, no Tannehill. Um, it's Derrick Henry and nobody else. And even when Tannehill comes back, it's the same way. Like, are you going to be comfortable picking up Robert Woods in week 10 or 11 if he has a decent game? Like, no way. No. It's Derrick Henry and no one else the rest of the season. 
it's tr- it's pretty incredible, actually. I mean, it's a testament yeah. to Mike Vrabel. Also, their defense has, I think, been an underrated unit. Like, I, mm-hmm. I saw them as a bad defense early in the year. I don't see them that way at all anymore. I think they're, they're a pretty strong unit. Yep. And that will wrap it for the Week 9 recap. So let's jump into the waiver wire. And... As always, we are discussing players who are rostered in 50% or fewer of Yahoo leagues, and we will start at the quarterback position. And I can't believe I'm going to do this, but my top quarterback, if he's a little over 50% rostered, but Russell Wilson was dropped in a lot of leagues hmm. uh, because they were on buy. And I, I'm buying into Russell Wilson. I, I fool me once. It's you know this is definitely on me if this blows up in my face and it probably will. But here's my rationale: six of the final eight games for uh, Denver in the fantasy year are against defenses that rank in the top ten in most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So he's got okay. a really really nice schedule coming up. Um, they also had the bye week, so I don't really trust Nathaniel Hackett to <laughs> solve issues. But they've had the extra time to try to figure something out, you know, and they do still have a lot of weapons in the passing game and a quarterback who has been good every year of his career before this year. So um, I would, I would buy into a Russell Wilson before guys like Rogers and, and Stafford and, and even Brady. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, he's not my number one. Uh, I, I get the matchup thing for sure, but you know, right back here, they're, they're playing at Tennessee who we just got done talking about now. Mahomes passed all over Tennessee. So maybe, Russell Wilson will too. Um, maybe they won't get the running game going as well. But uh, my number one, well, it's a little different. It depends on your situation, I guess, because my number one is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He's, he's 28% rostered. And if you have a quarterback, if you're not dealing with a bye week this week, which you could be if you have a Joe Burrow, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson. So you could be dealing with a bye week, in which case, you know, I wouldn't recommend picking up Watson. But I mean, depending on where you are, you might want to. Um, he's my number one pickup. But for a guy who's streamable, uh, for me, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and I like him rest of the season as well. He's 39% rostered in Yahoo leagues, and, you know, coming off the bye, uh, same same kind of uh, thing for me, but I like his weapons even better, especially now that he has McCaffrey, and we see McCaffrey doing McCaffrey things. Uh, he's got some good matchups coming up, and, yeah, like I said, coming off the bye, I like Jimmy G um, uh, to have a good second half. Yeah, well, I had Watson second and Garoppolo third, so I'm not going to fight you over it. I mean... I guess it's all kind of different because uh, Watson, I agree. Like if you're, if you're already looking ahead of the playoffs and you just have like a, 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 the ability to roster two quarterbacks and your starter is just kind of okay, but Mm -hmm. not great. Then Watson could be an upgrade for you in time for the fantasy playoffs. But uh, there's a lot of people that don't have that uh, flexibility either because they have a short bench or because they're just fighting to stay alive. You know what I mean? And um, bye weeks and all that. And they just can't afford to stash him. So um, if that's the case, then I feel like Wilson has an upside case the same way Watson does, but he also is a plug and play kind of a a player. Um, Garoppolo, I don't think has the same level of upside, but he's been the one who's been in better form lately. And like, He's got a high, a very high floor. I feel like you know, mm-hmm. like he's. It's I. I say it every week. He's like two fifty and two. Put it in the bank, with the weapons they have. Um, it feels even safer than ever to say that about him. You know, Debo Samuel should be healthy uh, at this point, and 
Yeah, the good times should keep rolling there. And then, you know, Daniel Jones is my next one, and I feel like it's similar with him as well. You know, like, he, just because of the rushing floor that he provides, like, uh, he's not going to be a top 10 guy, but he's could be a top 15 guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets Houston this week. So uh, I think he's a, a decent option as well. Yep, he's my he's next on my list too, and he gets Detroit the week after that. Then he gets at Dallas week 12. Uh, and then he has Philly week 14 uh, with Washington on either side of that Philly game. So he has, like, if you're streaming quarterbacks, uh, yeah, he has a couple good matchups coming up. You may want to look ahead um, at this point, you know, to that matchup against Dallas because I don't know that I'm going to want to start him at Dallas. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Or Philly for that matter. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, going back real quick to um, Deshaun Watson, I'll just say too, you mentioned like you may have like kind of a mediocre quarterback. You also could have Kyler Murray or Justin Fields who have. I think Fields has a week uh, 14, 14 by. Yeah. Uh, Murray has week 13, which is when Watson will be back. So you could have one of those guys too and then see what happens uh, down the stretch with Watson. Uh, That's a good call. Yeah. So, no, just, you're right. I mean, I, I I certainly could see, depending on my roster, wanting to have Watson be my number one pickup. Yeah, but Daniel Jones, he was next for me as well. Um, then I have Russell Wilson, uh, and then I have Jared Goff, who's 49% rostered, but – Next two games are on the road. I know we were talking about him as you know being a little bit better at home. So, yeah, I, I don't. He's more of a rest of season guy for me. I don't know how he'll how he'll fare in the next two road games. Yeah, he's kind of dropping off in my estimation. The fact he didn't get it done at home against Green Bay, like, uh, yeah, road games coming up. Um, they've had some injuries in there to their pass catchers. They traded Hawkinson. Like, it just seems like things are like Goff had a couple really big games early in the year, but it feel it's beginning to feel like kind of a long time ago at this point, you know? Yep. So yep. to me, there's a big drop off after those, after Wilson, Watson, Garoppolo and Jones, like after that, I have Andy Dalton next, but he might not even make it through tonight's <laughs> game without getting benched. So I know, man, I know I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm, gosh, I need some more points from the guy. Yeah, um, right. I do want to mention real quick too. I know we've talked about Justin Fields a bit on this podcast. He is still rostered in just 69% of leagues. So, there are there are 31% of leagues where he's out there. You're talking 10 team leagues uh, where no people haven't picked him up yet and after this big game, I mean, you're going to want to spend some fab on on a guy like Justin Fields. I mean, he's like we've talked about him, you know, QB1 basically like the last 4 weeks. So spend 25, 30, 40% of your fab if you need a quarterback and grab Fields if he's available too. Oh man, if you need a quarterback <laughs> and it's like not a 6 point per passing touchdown league or anything like that, um I would, I'd be willing to spend almost all my fab to get a guy like that. Okay. I mean, if you've been hurting a quarterback, like yeah. that's your solution right there. Yep. Uh, all right, running back. Not the greatest week for running backs. Um, I'm going to lead it off with Jeff Wilson, though, as my top pick. Uh, okay. He's at 52% rostered. Um, you know, like I said, more snaps and more touches than Mostert in his first game with the team. So uh, I think he's a, an immediate rb3 flex option right from the get-go yeah i mean he's he's my number one uh i also kind of wanted to mention some of these ravens running backs who are playing right now because their roster percentages are kind of all over the place Kenyon drake who's you know having a decent game 65 percent but then these guys all go on a buy you know gus edwards is 51 percent, but he's not in this game uh i i think gus edwards would be a pickup for me but it's it's really hard to pick up one of these guys like going through the buy and then even even jk dobbins is just over 50% rostered himself if you want to try to stash a guy like this and hope that he comes back sort of for the fantasy playoffs. So wanted to mention the Ravens kind of off the bat, like that 
Gus Edwards would probably be in the mix for me, but I agree. Jeff Wilson, he's the number one for me. And then I have Isaiah Pacheco, who we just talked about. He's 30% rostered, and he's my number two for oh, all wow. the reasons okay. we talked about. I mean, he he is the starter now, and like <laughs> Clyde Edwards Lair, you know, I'm I'm hanging on to the hope that like he is still getting good usage uh, in the red zone, things like that. But if Pacheco's the starter, they're going to have games against softer run defenses, and I think he'll have some good games. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I've got him, and I haven't even thought about dropping him after that after that quiet game. So I still think there's some upside there. Um, it would be nice if it was a two-man committee instead of three, though. That makes it real tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have Edwards as my number two overall pickup for the week, even though they're going on by. I, I, you know, I do think uh, there's a pretty good chance that he's the lead back coming out of the bye. And I just I don't feel like we can count on Dobbins at this point for anything. Like he may not even end up coming back all season at this based on how long it took him to recover from the initial injury. Um, yep. Th- th- I'm out of injury optimism with him. Um, <laughs> Rashad white, I think is right there with Pacheco as an intriguing pickup. Like I mentioned, uh, he had a season high 11 touches last week and at any moment it just feels like he could, you know, maybe not overtake Fournette, but make it a true sp- even split. Uh, this is a team that could use a spark. So it's, you know, every time White touches the ball, it just looks like he's providing something to them that they're lacking. Uh, and you could say the same thing about Jalen, Jalen Warren. I just feel like yeah. the upside of the Bucks offense is, is significantly higher. So that's why I would take him first. Um, yep. I would agree with both of those guys. Uh, Rashad White was next on my list, Jalen Warren. And then I, I'm going to throw Chase Edmonds in the mix. He's 48% rostered. You know, the Broncos traded for him. We'll see what happens. I would definitely not st- pick him up and start him right away. He's not a guy I would just like throw in in my lineup, but he's more of a wait and see uh, mm-hmm. to see how he's used. Um, we'll see. I mean, they're, I, they're coming off the bye week. They made the trade. I think it's a good wait and see. I wouldn't spend a ton on him, though. I would rather have Latavius Murray, to be honest. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because Murray had more touches than uh, Melvin Gordon in the last game before the bye. And, um, they, you know, Hackett's basically said, like, Murray and Gordon are the the primary runners, and Edmonds is going to be more of a third down back. So um, maybe in a full PPR he could get interesting, but I I have trouble seeing a path for Edmonds in standard or even half PPR. Um, hmm. I'd rather take a chance on Murray that he can maybe um, be the head of the committee over Gordon. Um, and then, of course, if Gordon uh, did get hurt or something like that, Murray would, would be in for a pretty major role. I guess I just still have in the back of my mind how Latavius Murray, you know, played that game for the Saints who were playing right now, and then they just traded him. And he, I don't know. I just think Murray is like, yeah, just this downhill runner who is. I could see the, I could see him being inactive on Sundays in a couple of weeks too. Like I just think I think Ed, Chase Edmonds is worth the pickup as kind of just like a see what happens. So I would pick up Edmonds over Murray. Well, Edmonds, according to like. The advanced metrics, I believe, is like one of the worst running backs in the NFL this season, though. So <laughs> I haven't seen a lot from him to think going to Denver is suddenly going to uh, lead to him breaking out. But well, fair enough. We'll we'll see. We'll see which one of them uh, ends up being better the rest of the way. Yep. Uh, Alexander Madison always in this list, forty five percent rostered. Uh, you know, he's not playing much now, as I said, with Cook healthy, but. He's still one of the best pure lottery ticket stashes you can find in fantasy. So uh, he he's a guy that I would always anytime you have a free roster spot and a guy like that's on on the wire, like they're a priority pickup for me. Yeah, I think Chuba Hubbard too. You know, he's been injured the last couple of weeks, but he's thirty three percent rostered, and I think the Panthers are going to get him 
in the mix. Now, will he play this week on the short turnaround? Maybe not. So um, probably not. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say right. I would say probably not because guys often don't. Uh, he, but he'll basically get another you know kind of full week. So I, I think we'll see Chuba Hubbard you know, here in like week 11. So he might be a guy that you could pick up and just stash for a week. And depending on how your bye weeks roll, maybe you need someone in week 11. So this is the time where you want to start looking ahead a week, you know, at, at mm-hmm. your matchups and things and planning ahead. Yeah, no, I, I have him on my list. I mean, I, I, I think he's going to be the weak side of a committee with four minutes at this point, but it should still be a committee. And uh, of course, if Foreman got hurt, then he'd have a lot of handcuff value as well. Yeah, uh, Kyron Williams, who we we talked about before, I think definitely belongs on this list. Um, just based on kind of the allure of the unknown, I guess, um, more <laughs> than anything. And then this is a deeper league guy, but Isaiah Spiller, the rookie, um, played more snaps than Sony Michelle uh, for the Chargers coming out of their bye. So that's interesting. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I typically am always looking at the second running back behind Eckler because he's just not a, a bell cow mm-hmm. back. Um, this year it hasn't really worked out for fantasy purposes just because Josh Kelly got hurt and then Michelle hasn't done a whole lot and now Spiller is working his way in. But if if Spiller can solidify that role where he's playing like 35% of the snaps and getting some goal line stuff, like he could have like deep league flex value and then, of course, um, lottery ticket value uh, if anything happened to Eckler. Yep, I like that. Deep cut. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> All right. Wide receiver. Um, so... I'm going to start with, uh, yeah, well, I know you love me, Cole. What about George Pickens, though? He's 53% rostered um, coming out of their buy. To me, I would take him over Hardman as much as I love Hardman. I just, Pickens um, is just a really dynamic player, and the fact they traded away uh, Chase Claypool means that he's kind of a riser, I think, um, even though he didn't play last week. So Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, he could be. I know it's it's the Steelers' offense instead of the Chiefs, but there's just also a lot fewer mouths to feed now um, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's like, do you want a guy who's likely to get eight or nine targets a week um, with Kenny Pickett thrown to him in an offense that can't move the ball as well, or Miko Hardman, who's been scoring touchdowns left and right in a Chiefs' right. offense? I mean, I I have Miko number one. I have Pickens kind of like a, a one, you know, it's like one A and one B, but I do have Miko above him. If you're putting in your fab. You know, and I'd put, you know, whatever. Let's say you're a $100 budget. Maybe you're putting in 15 to 20 bucks on Miko and a dollar less on, on Pickens and see who you get. Or, or the same amount, honestly, and then just rank yeah. one or the, over the other. I'd take Miko. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like, that's a good point. They're just, you know, I feel like Pickens might have the higher floor week to week, but mm-hmm. Hardman's the one that is the ceiling play. I mean, he had a three-touchdown game two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then number three for me is Wandale Robinson. 25%. Same. I mean, coming off the bye, you know, we you were just talking about Kadarius Tony, who's not there anymore. He's a chief. And Galladay, I mean, have we seen Galladay active at all this year? I mean... Oh, I'm, I, he's dead to me. <laughs> right. It's Darius <laughs> Slayton, and it's it's Wandale Robinson. And I again, Wandale is one of these people I, I just really think we could see. I, I didn't like him coming in to the year, but now that he's like kind of the last man standing there, and I we just got you just got done talking about Isaiah Spiller. I love these rookies coming out of the bye. They often get worked in more. We Wandale Robinson could have a big second half, and I, he's a guy I want on my roster in pretty much every league I can, and you can get him pretty cheap. Yeah, well, I just got him for free. I picked him up in Yahoo uh, 
yesterday. I dropped yep. Tyler Higby and and stashed Wandale Robinson. So there you go. Um, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, you know, Brian Dable is a, a good coach, and he, he's going to get figure out a way to feature his playmakers. And they don't have a ton of playmakers in their offense, so uh, they they would be wise to get the ball in the hands of Wandale Robinson. Um, you know, coming into the year, he was injured uh, in training camp, so they probably couldn't uh, work with him, which is an important time for a rookie to draw up plays mm-hmm. for them. So I think the bye week could be a really valuable tool for them to uh, f- figure out how to feature him more. And, uh, you know, with Kadarius Tony gone, it's clear Robinson is the most dynamic playmaker in their passing game outside of Saquon Barkley. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside there and probably at the very least some uh, boomer boss wide receiver three value. Yep. Who's who's number four for you? I got Terrace Marshall number four. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I I really uh, he's he actually it's it's it reminds me of Pickens. Like there's a lot of similarities yeah. between Marshall and Pickens. Uh, they're similar size. They're both the complement to on the one hand, Deontay Johnson, on the other hand, DJ Moore, who are, you know, these more sort of slot um, possession receiver type guys, I guess you could say. And Marshall and Pickens are the more physical kind of red zone down the field kind of guys. Um, so, you know, they're both young and, and with, with untapped upside uh, and in, you know, not great offenses that can hold them back a little bit, but um I just yeah, I just like the the playmaking ability that Marshall has. Um, like Pickens, he can kind of um, make up for maybe some lack of uh, accuracy in, in his targets <laughs> and things like that by just going up and getting the ball. Yeah, maybe like Kelvin Benjamin did <laughs> in Carolina. Yeah, remember that name? Yeah, that is a throwback name. For I know. You. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting that you said Terrace Marshall next because I have a I have a next tier. You know, for me, it's like Miko and Pickens. Like I said, then I have Wandale kind of right in that you know, tier with them. Then I have a tier of guys, Michael Gallup, DeAndre Carter, Donovan Peoples Jones. But then I put Terrace Marshall Jr. sort of in a tier of his own. So I could I could see putting him above if you want to hit that untapped potential, you know, or yeah, untapped I, outside like you said. Yeah, I have Gallup and Peoples Jones next after Marshall. Um with Gallup, I mean I I've been into him all season. It's the problem is that he he's yet to have a big game and where you know like Yeah. He hasn't I, loved you back. Yeah, exactly. And I just I, I do still wonder just given the how good the, the Cowboys defense is, like do do they need to throw enough that like a guy like Gallup is gonna be putting up big numbers every week? That's my question. Right. Also, Noah Brown played really well early in the year, so there is still some chance that he kinda takes away some of the opportunities from Gallup. I, I would still take Gallup over Brown, but it's not like a slam dunk the way it would have been coming into the year if Gallup was healthy. So that's another just factor. I just feel like Marshall's kind of more locked into his role. Um, so that's that's kind of the difference for me. But it's it's a coin flip for those two for me. And then Peoples-Jones, too, just because um, it, it, he's actually in a similar situation as well where you know he's the clear number two guy in a run-first offense. Yep. but. Um, but he keeps making plays, you know, um, he's a talented player and he's, I think he's had like four or five good games in a row. So yeah, at this nice, point nice we floor. need to sort of accept that he is a wide receiver three option. Yeah. People's Jones has a nice floor. That's why I like, that's what I was saying. I picked him up in a league where I'm going to need to plug in someone probably next week. You know, I've got Aaron Jones, 
uh, banged up. I've got, I think, T. Higgins on a bye. So, you know, if you've got buys and injuries, sometimes you just want to plug in someone that you, you can probably get eight or nine points from. Probably won't get you 20, but, you know, fantasy football, sometimes you just need to get 100, 110 points and get that win, you know? Yeah, yeah. I have Carter, DeAndre Carter, a little bit lower just because uh, I feel like he's more of a short-term play. He, yeah, I, for you sure. Know, I, I, I think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams should be back eventually. Um, whether it's next week for Allen, I don't know. But even if it's a couple weeks, the, the it's a ticking clock for DeAndre Carter's fantasy value. And even so, he's going to be the number two guy behind Palmer, and they've got a, a tough matchup at San Francisco. So, um you know, I, I'm just a little less excited about him. Um, yeah, that's more just like you need someone this week, maybe this week, next week. Um, I totally agree. Short-term option. But it just depends on what you need right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I have Jarvis Landry in this conversation as well, um, just with Michael Thomas out for the season. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Landry is close to returning, and uh, he should step right into an every-down role pretty much um, ahead of guys like Traquan Smith and Marquez Calloway. Uh, maybe the uh, Saints even go back to Jameis Winston after this game, which I think would be good news uh, for their pass catchers. Um, yeah. So, uh, so he's a guy I think you can look at as well. And then there's some stash candidates. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy yep. that I think should be stashed at this point. Uh, we'll see what team he goes to, but he's going to go to a, a good team, which probably means he's going to go to a good offense. Yep. Um, so he would be my, my number one stash. But then you can also look at guys like Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks as well, especially because you can stash those guys in an IR spot. So if you have IR spots and those guys are available, it's kind of a no-brainer pickup. Yeah, Traylon Burks, it's a tough sell uh, just because of what we've seen the Titans offense look like. But Tannehill will be back in a week or two. And let's say Traylon Burks is too. I, I, I could see a scenario where it lines up and – you know, he be, he becomes the number one option down the stretch, and that's worth something. So it could happen. Yep. Yeah. All right. Anyone else you want to talk about at wide receiver? I mean, there's there's tons of guys, but I think that's probably enough. Okay. How about tight end? Where, where who's your number yeah. one there? I mean, it's easy. Greg Dolchich. He's oh 30, yeah. He's only thirty five percent rostered. So shocking, right? It is. I mean, but it's the bye week. You know, there's a lot of shallow leagues. There's pretty much most most leagues are one tight end. So, I mean, heck, Pat Fryermuth is 72% rostered, uh, down 14%, you know, because they're on a bye week. Dalton Schultz, same thing, 72%. So, like, these are guys who are available in a ton of leagues as well. So, um, I'd, I'd still I'd still roster Dulcich over, well, gosh, would I roster him over either one of those guys? I don't know. Not over those guys, maybe, <laughs> but, I mean, it's right. he's right in the same tier with them. And, yeah. Uh, he's rostered in half as many leagues. I mean, even with those guys, like, when guys roster – when their rate drops down to 72%, that probably means it's people that have like three bench spots or something or in yeah. those leagues that he's getting dropped, you know? Yeah. But and Dulcich, eight to 10 team leagues. Yeah. 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 But Dulcich, 35%. I mean, to me, that says like there were, you know, people are still not realizing how valuable he can be because his, his usage is like featured usage for a tight mm-hmm. end. Like you just don't see that usage with that many tight ends. So. Uh, and like I said, the the Broncos have a very favorable passing game schedule uh, down the stretch. I don't I don't know what it is specifically for tight ends, but I'm not sure it matters that much. Like I could, if Russell Wilson has a good second half of the season, that's going to mean even more production for Greg Dulcich. Yeah, honestly, and if I if I were prioritizing like a top five of all these guys we're talking about, uh, he'd be in my top five. You know, I'd have Miko yeah. Harbin and George Pickens at the top. I'd probably have Wandale Robinson at the top too. 
Um, and then I might consider like a Jeff Wilson, uh, a Deshaun Watson, but Greg Dulcich would be right up there, depending on if you need a tight end, he's in that top two or three, you know, of, for this week. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. Um, and then after that, uh, are you going Cole Komet next? I have Kate Otten ahead of Cole Komet, but to me, those two are neck and neck. Yeah, they're similar. I do have Cole Komet next because I really liked him coming into the year, and he had the two touchdown game, and he just he's just heating up along with Fields. Um, but yeah, I mean Otten, he had the late, late, late touchdown, which looked really good in the box score, you know, with about ten seconds to go. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been really good too. They're they're very similar options, I would say for sure. I mean, I just think Otten looks good. Like he looks yeah. the part to me, and uh, and I feel like he's he's a little more of like. I'm not going to say he's like Dolchich necessarily, but he, he could get some volume, you know, like whereas yep. Komet, I don't think Komet's ever going to get volume. It's He's pretty much like a red zone guy. Like he needs touchdowns. <laughs> like he's not going to, yeah, he's not going to catch seven balls for 80 yards. Whereas like I could see a game where Otten does that. Um, and he, you know, Otten's producing with Brady struggling. So if Brady gets it going a little bit, like that's going to be even better news for Otten. I feel like he has, I feel like Brady has a lot of trust in Otten for a rookie, um, so uh, I I like the upside with him. He's he seems like yeah. a poor man's Dolchich to me. And I mean, yeah, Brady throws the he threw the ball fifty eight times this week. I mean, he's often throwing the ball twice as many times as Fields. So yeah, or three times <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> so yep. Yeah. And then you know I've got Noah Fant here ten percent. Um, there aren't a ton of guys to talk about here, but I think Fant is at least worth talking about because he had a good game and. He's had some. He's had some, you know, productivity uh, in that offense. But we're we're digging deep here. I mean, like, yeah, I, I mostly think Noah Fan is fool's gold. Like, I think he's the yeah. kind of guy people chase last week's stats and they'll pick him up and then he's going to do nothing uh, next week. And uh, you know, because they 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 uh, rotate their tight ends. It's not he's yeah, not Disley like an plays. every down guy. You know, like yep. we, Will Disley has had his games uh, this season as well. Um, and then even Colby Parkinson, you see, get mm-hmm. a decent number of snaps. So it's it's kind of like the Indianapolis situation for me. Like one of these guys can have a big game now and now and again, but don't chase it. You know. Yeah. So what about defenses? I feel like there's a, actually a lot of good uh, matchups this week for readily available defenses. What do you think? I agree. It's <laughs> like it's I I couldn't just do five i had to rank eight there's so many <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah all right um, well i've got five let's see who who's your number one i have the giants number one uh, okay they're at home against the texans um I, I i debated between the giants and the and the raiders because they get the colts um uh, yeah but i kind of <laughs> feel like both of those offenses are dumpster fires that are kind of giving up on everything <laughs> Um, the difference, I think, is that the Giants are a better defense than the, a lot. I mean, I think they're a lot better defense than the Raiders. So, yeah, and they're resting. for that reason, I I went with the Giants. But um, I could, it's it's hard to argue with if you have Las Vegas number one just because of the state of that Colts offense right now. Well, I'm actually going with the Saints. Uh, I know they're uh-huh. they're on the road at Pittsburgh, but you know they're going okay. against a rookie. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good matchups against rookie quarterbacks, and I have Vegas number two uh, for that same reason because yeah, the Colts look terrible. They just look like they're tanking and giving up. So, I've got the Saints. It is on the road, but then yeah, I have the Raiders, the Giants. Um, who do you have after that? Or you know, who's your number two or three? Uh, I would take. So I do have the Saints number three okay. um, after the Giants and the Raiders, and then I would go on either end of the Tennessee Denver game next. Uh, okay. I would start with Tennessee. Um, yep, me even too. though I just talked up Russell Wilson, uh, <laughs> you know I do think the Titans' defense has been 
uh, pretty good this season. And, uh, you know, I think Wilson will have better matchups than this one going forward. So I'm not sure uh, this is the, 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 the matchup where he explodes on the scene or anything like that. But um, I think I think you can really go either end on that. I mean, Denver, if if Malik Willis makes another start, I'd probably take Denver yeah. over Tennessee. And I'd probably take Denver over most of these teams if, if Willis gets another start that, that's a good call i i have tennessee uh next in my list just because yeah they i mean i think at one point last night uh mahomes had i mean the chiefs had like seven straight uh possessions where they didn't score i mean tennessee was looking really good against one of the best offenses in the league at arrowhead it's a really tough mm-hmm. place to play they looked really yeah. good so i just yeah. feel like coming back home you know good bounce back spot to get a win even if malik willis is the quarterback i think it'll just be a ton of derrick henry this will be, I mean, this could be like a 10-6 game, <laughs> you know? Well, then both defenses will be good, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like I said, I have even more options. I, like, the Cardinals defense has been pretty solid this year, and they're mm-hmm. facing the Rams, who are just a mess. Falcons? For all the reasons we talked about. Thursday Night Football uh, and then, Falcons? What's that? What do you like? How about Thursday Night Football with the Falcons? Yep, that's my, I, those teams, too, and the, and the Panthers, for that yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. You go either end of it. I'd take the Falcons defense first, but... Uh, I would be fine with. I, I don't expect a ton of points to be scored in that game. Famous last words, I know, but <laughs> it is Thursday night football, so we have that going for us. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like the way, yeah, those two teams, it was sort of uh, a shootout this, the last time they played a couple weeks ago. But I don't know. I just I think it'll be a little bit different this time around. Uh, yeah, that was shocking. So yeah, uh, lightning never strikes the same place twice. That's right. Even though this game isn't in the same place, but forget forget that <laughs> uh, kickers. Go for I, it. I want to bring up a kicker because I actually stashed. I never do this. Like I, I am the guy that never. I tell people all the time, pick up a kicker, a different kicker every week, and drop them during the week so you can use the roster space for something else. Do as I say, but, not as I do. <laughs> well, no, I do it too myself. I always yeah, do I it. I, I haven't. I've had a different kicker every week in all of my leagues this season, but in one league. I couldn't resist tonight before this Monday night game kicked off. I had a roster space to play with, uh, and I decided to to pick up Graham Gano. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, because he's been one of the best kickers in the league this year, and like I said, they get the Texans this week. It should mm-hmm. be really favorable uh, game script for Gano. They're the home team. Like I could see him kicking four field goals in this game. Yeah. Um, so he's my number one kicker pickup of the week, and I – I'm even going to hold him during the week. And there wasn't really anyone else I really was dying to pick up with that roster spot. So I said, what the heck? I'm going to rules are meant to be broken. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, And then Brett Mayer is another guy who's been pretty good this year. Offense is trending up with Dak back. So, um, you know, they're at green Bay. It's not the greatest matchup, but uh, I don't mind that. I still think he's solid. And Robbie gold would be my third. Uh, home against the Chargers should be a lot of points scored in that game uh, yep. on both sides. Yep, I like having. You know, if I only have one league this year where I do have a kicker, but I do like having a Sunday night kicker or a Monday night. Like I said, I have Will Lutz in this in this game, who looks like he's got me a couple field goals. So maybe he'll get me another one. We'll see. <laughs> I got I to check it out and see what's going on with my scores, man. <laughs> well, if you're counting on Andy Dalton, it's probably not going well. <laughs> well, well, I know. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it uh, for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Bart and I will have our week 10 rankings up at rosrankings.com later in the week. We also do another show 
previewing all of those matchups. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And if you have any waiver wire questions for us, uh, you can always reach out on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.